You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've uh, got a great show for you today. We'll be talking uh, with some of the uh, folks uh, over at the uh, BC Innovation Council. There's a a large BC Tech Summit happening uh, coming up uh, this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, down at the Convention Centre, where uh, a lot of uh, tech startups will be coming uh, to talk and uh, venture capitalists as well to see if they can help uh, grow the tech sector here. It's funny, I was taking a look at the website, and they have a lot of speakers, and you're actually one of them, but I saw you on the list. Yes, I'll be uh, emceeing uh, some of the uh, the panel uh, panel discussions, so uh, if you want, come down and say hello to me. Well, one of the best speakers they have, outside of you, of course, Mike, <laughs> is uh, Ray Kurzweil, the futurist. This guy is an inventor, he's a futurist. He's been talking uh, a lot about technology right since the 80s. He actually made predictions back in 81 about the growth of technology, and he's been like right almost the whole way through. And he has this theory about the uh, singularity theory, so I'm a big fan of his, and he'll be there, which means I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, it should be uh, very interesting. We'll also be looking uh, at some... uh beauty technology later on in the hour as well. Some really cool gadgets that we saw down at the Consumer Electronics Show. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, As you know, last week we were down in Las Vegas uh, checking out CES or the Consumer Electronics Show, biggest uh, tech fair in the world. It was was kind of an interesting show, Andy, because we did it live from down on the show floor. Oh, what a a crazy time. We, uh, We basically have a radio booth down there, and so we get in there. But we can't test the lines, uh, you know, the connection back here to uh, CKNW in Vancouver until uh, Michael Campbell's show is finished. So we literally have five minutes to make sure that the whole thing worked. And, and, and it didn't. No. And you know what was funny is the whole week I was stressing out about this. I'm like, I, don't, I have a feeling something's going to go wrong. And everyone's like, relax. It's going to be fine. Basically, everything that could go wrong went wrong while we were testing that connection. We only had five minutes to figure it out. So uh, for the first uh, segment, uh, you probably heard me. I was actually talking on my iPhone, and uh, that's challenging just talking by yourself for like 10, 15 minutes into an iPhone. And, and you know, we're not like divas or anything, but the microphone, the, the headsets that they gave us over there, it, it wasn't really good, so the mic was like really close to us. So <laughs> no, everyone sounded like Darth Vader. It, I know, and people were <laughs> tweeting me going, what are these weird, annoying sounds coming through? Oh, that's, yeah, that's Andy breathing, <laughs> or that's AJ breathing <laughs> yeah. when uh, I'm talking. But uh, overall, uh, you know, we got it done. Uh, you know, if you heard the show last week, there was a, a lot of great technologies we saw. You can also go to our website, uh, getconnectedmedia.com, or our YouTube channel, and we've got tons of videos. How many did you film? Uh, 67 videos in three and a half days. Wow. That is, that is a lot of videos. Trust me. I'm still sick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sick now, too. It's like my, I guess my Las Vegas cold, I call it. That's what I, I, happens to me every year, post-CES. So some interesting stuff this week, uh, Andy. Uh, I know a lot of uh, folks uh, use Netflix. And uh, Netflix is now saying that they're going to try to block uh, people, I guess, Canadians from accessing the U.S. Netflix. I know, I, I know so many people that do that because they feel that there's better or more varied content on the U.S. side. I guess the grass is always greener. But, you know, so far to date, Netflix really hasn't done anything about it. And I guess the big reason is they're still getting your money, right? Yeah. They're getting your eight bucks a month, and it didn't really matter to them which side of the border you're getting it from. But you know, as it gets more competitive in the streaming space and the rights to these TV shows and, and movies, 
you know, obviously their competitors, you know, not only the streaming ones, but the broadcasters themselves were starting to put up a big fuss. And so now Netflix is going to make more of an effort to block those sites, those virtual private networks or those uh, proxy servers that allow people to do this so they can't do it anymore. They can just only access the country that they're in. Now, the way that the VPNs work is if you're in Canada and you subscribe to one of these services, there's paid ones and free ones out there. What it does is it makes it look like you are in the U.S. Your IP looks like it's coming from the U.S., which allows you to get the U.S. Netflix. Because as a Canadian, if you go to the U.S. and say you're in a hotel room and you sign up to your Netflix account, you'll get the U.S. content because of that. It understands your IP address. But what was funny about this, that they made this announcement, Mike, it was one week after that they said that Netflix is now available in 130 countries. So that was the big news during CES. And the week after, they said, oh, and by the way, for all you people that are trying to uh, mask your IPs using VPNs, we're going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't lead with that during CES because... Well, they wanted good press, not, not the, uh, hey, we're going to crack down on this. So, you know, it's an interesting thing to me. I can see why they're doing it because rights holders or, or broadcasters, um, you know, they're paying literally millions of dollars for these TV shows to, to air on Shaw or Rogers or Bell or on their respective services like Show Me and Crave. And so when Canadians are then suddenly going across the border to get it from the U.S. Netflix, it's, you know, potentially taking money out of their pocket. Yeah. Because Crave, for example, uh, the Bell streaming service, they have a lot of HBO stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so if people are masking their internet addresses to get U.S. versions of that, it's it's hurting the Canadian side. You know, it's funny, a couple of years ago, I got invited by the folks at Netflix to have dinner with them at CES. And after a, a couple of bottles of wine, I, I just had to ask, I go, okay, guys, off the record, what do you think about the Canadians that are going to the U- are using and masking their IPs to get the U.S. conflict? I'm like, off the record, because I know what you're going to say on the record, but off the record, what do you really think? And he said, he goes, at the end of the day, we don't care because you're a subscriber. You're still paying us. He goes, but when the music, or sorry, when the um, movie publishers, the studios, and to your point now, the broadcasters start giving us that pressure, we have to do something about it. And that's why they're doing this. It's because of the external pressures from everybody else. They said that they want to make everything available on Netflix to everyone. But these licensing issues are in the way, and I don't think we're going to see it happening anytime soon because the only way to differentiate yourself, if you're a Crave or a show me is by getting exclusive content. And of course, if you're just a traditional broadcaster, that's another way as well. Interesting uh, news that I also came across here. It's part of the rumor mill. Um, the headphone jack that we see. The beloved headphone jack. That we've seen since the Walkman days. <laughs> it uh, you know carried on into iPods and smartphones, whether that was uh, you know Android smartphones uh, or Apple iPhones. It may be going the way of the Dodo now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is huge rumors going on that the next iPhone will not have a headphone jack. You will have to get a new kind of headphone that uses the lightning connector that Apple has. Well, if there's any company that is not afraid to disrupt the status quo, it is Apple. They did this on their MacBooks when they got rid of the DVD player. That was big news. Um, so it's no it's no surprise that if Apple it might do this. We don't know, but I would... I bet the farm on that they're going to get rid of the headphone jack because the lightning port is capable of doing stuff like that as well. It already has that ability. So if they take away the headphone jack, they can make thinner phones. 
And not only that, they can make a waterproof version of the iPhone. So I think it's, it's a no-brainer. The question is, what's going to happen to the headphone market if they do that? Um, well, it will change. Uh, it might be a great thing for headphone manufacturers because they get to make a whole new slew of headphones. Um, you know, I think it's a shrewd business move on Apple's part as well. Uh, they make a lot of money from the, uh, the, the connector economy, so to yes. call it, right? Uh, to hook in any device into that little lightning connector port on your iPhone or your iPad, it has to be certified by Apple to get yep. that Apple certification. And for every manufacturer that makes a charger or any type of device that plugs in there, they have to pay Apple a licensing fee. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how much it is, maybe a few dollars uh, per device. And they have to meet Apple's standards as well. Yes. Quality standards. So Apple is making truckloads of money from all the accessories being sold for iPhones and iPads because they all have to have that lightning cable certification to work properly. And so as we move, I think, to new types of charging, we're going to start seeing wireless charging. You know, Samsung has it, yep. a number of other manufacturers. It's not an Apple iPhones, and that's because they would lose a lot of money because then you wouldn't need that lightning cable anymore. <laughs> so but, they have no incentive to, to offer that. No, but by moving to a lightning cable headphone jack, uh, they can get that money again. And let's not forget that Apple bought Beats headphones. Yes. So you can be um, pretty sure that if they come out with the iPhone 7, they're going to have Beats headphones that are going to be um, enabled to work with the lightning adapter if they get rid of that headphone jack. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with the managing director over uh, with the BC Innovation Council. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've got uh, a cool show again for you here today. We'll be talking about uh, technology in British Columbia. The the big uh, BC tech summit is coming up uh, Monday, Tuesday here, so we're pretty excited to uh, take part in that. I'll be down there uh, emceeing some of the uh, the panel discussions, and also we've got our Get Connected crew down there filming as well. Yeah, yeah I'll be cool. I'll be uh, while you're talking to people. I'll be filming people talking to people while we're filming. <laughs> in a little while, uh, we'll be talking uh, with uh, Dean, the Managing Director uh, over at the BC Acceleration Network at uh, the BC Innovation Council. But right now, on the line, we've uh, got Gru Cause. He's the President and CEO of the BC Innovation Council. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much, and great to be here, Mike, Andy. So let's just uh, educate our, our listeners here that might not know what the BC Innovation Council is first. Tell us, tell us about that. Well, the BC Innovation Council has been around a long time. Uh, you probably might have known it as the BC Science Council. Uh, so it's about 40 years old, and it's a, it's a crown agency, so it's part of the provincial government, and its whole job is to make uh, BC a better place for technology entrepreneurs. So you're helping make more jobs? Uh, we do help make more jobs, and uh, we, we, do, we have a lot of different programs that we run. Um, and the most famous one is the one that you just mentioned, the BC Acceleration Network. I won't steal that thunder from Dean, but it's all about uh, helping our provinces, uh, tech companies and entrepreneurs um, uh, get out of BC and create great businesses for all the people here. Well, we have the BC Tech Summit coming up uh, this week here, which we're all very excited about, obviously because we're in technology. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to get a chance to uh, go down there and film uh, a bunch of great companies uh, and, uh, and guests. Uh, what is the BC Tech Summit all about? What can someone expect 
when they go down well, and check you know, this out? Yeah, it's, 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 quite, it's quite the uh, interesting thing. It's actually, uh, I was telling uh, some people, uh, it's actually seven sort of conferences boiled into one big summit. So you could take each of the components and it would be a big deal uh, by itself. Uh, the, what it's all about, uh, well, it's, there's three sort of major objectives you want to call. Um, the first one is to show the people of BC that, you know, there is technology here. And in fact, technology does play a big role in their lives. I mean, we all know this because we've got cell phones in our pockets. And, you know, if you're a grandparent, you know Skype. So you <laughs> are really connected uh, to talk to your grandkids. Um, so it's all around us. So we want to raise the profile of it a big way. Um, you know, we already have quite a big industry here uh, in British Columbia. It's the third uh, biggest industry. If you add up all the different types of companies, from life sciences, from wireless companies, from uh, information communications uh, companies, um, gaming, obviously, uh, all types, engineering firms. So we want to show that to the province and show what we've got. And we're bringing them all together for the first time. Usually they do their own things separately, but we're banging them all. So you'll have clean technology uh, sitting next to a 3D virtual reality company, sitting next to a, a genomics company. And they can actually learn things from each other. I can talk more about that later. Uh, the third thing, uh, just raising the profile and, and showing what we've got in BC, is to actually create business for some of these companies. And as you know, in tech, if, uh, if you create more business, it typically goes directly back into salaries to grow your staff. So it, uh, it's, uh, it's great for the people of the province. Well, and that's kind of the exciting thing. When you look at a lot of these tech jobs out there, these are well-paying jobs uh, and oh, definitely yeah. helps us diversify uh, you know, our resource-based uh, economy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, have, uh, I have my eye on, uh, on programming jobs, for example. And on any one day, there's about 870 open uh, programming positions in the province. And, uh, you know, just from my quick overview of them, a lot of these are sort of what I call intermediate stage developers. Well, an intermediate job pays $85,000, $90,000 a year in technology. I could handle that. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, yes. that's uh, 50, 60% higher than the, than the average wage. So, you know, if you've got kids and, and, and they're, they're interested, they, they should, you know, try to do that type of thing. I mean, most kids are already uh, have their Xbox or, or their uh, PlayStation, right? Myself, I use a PC in my Oculus Rift. But uh, the, uh, the idea that you can get involved and have a whole career in this is, uh, is something that, uh, uh, it, you know, is, is really, really worth considering. And we hope this sparks a few people to come. So you got a great lineup of speakers coming to this uh, BC Tech Summit. Let me name some of the notable ones, Greg. Well, um, well, probably the most famous person is a, is a fellow named uh, Ray Kurzweil. <clears throat> now, uh, for those of us who are uh, children of the 70s and 80s, there was a keyboard called the Kurzweil uh, keyboard that the bands would use, actually a musical instrument, right? And if you go online today, you can see it there. And this company was started by Ray Kurzweil. He also invented something that called the Kurzweil Scanner, which was the world's first, first optical character reader. So you could actually put paper in and it would read it into a computer. Once again, this was back in the 80s. But he's a futurist, and his predictions are, well, you know, they've done back testing. They're about 70% accurate. So he uh, is our sort of um, first day or the Monday uh, afternoon speaker, uh, the keynote, uh, that will talk about the future of tech, where, where he thinks things are going and uh, just give us a vision of, of, you know, what could be. So I'm super excited about having him here. Uh, we have a fellow, uh, Andrew Wilson, who is actually the uh, head of electronic arts uh, worldwide. 
um, one of our uh, hosts is uh, Don Matrick. Um, now, Don Matrick is, uh, is one of uh, British Columbia's and, frankly, Canada's and, frankly, the world's uh, leading technology entrepreneurs. Uh, so Don um, is, uh, has been working, obviously, with Electronic Arts. He, he started Electronic Arts Canada, which, in fact, was the basis for the, for the company. Um, and as you know, in Burnaby, we have a huge, huge uh, Electronic Arts facility there. Um, he uh, worked with Microsoft, uh, running their uh, digital games division, which so like, things like Xbox or Kinetic, Connect, uh, or, or Kinetic are a part of that. Um, and uh, he's worked uh, with Zynga. So if you've got handheld games on your phone, that's the one with the little, looks like a little dog. Anyways, that's the thing that comes up. But he's run Zynga for a while. But he, uh, he's agreed to help uh, do that summit. So he's the second fellow that I'm really excited to hear. A third uh, person is Elise Allen. Now, uh, Elise is a, uh, the chief executive of a company called uh, General Electric Canada. Now, General Electric is one of the largest uh, companies in the world. When you're uh, in an airplane and you're flying, uh, you probably have a General Electric triple fan engine that's pushing the airplane along. Uh, they also make all sorts of uh, things, I would call it, for traditional industries like the forestry, oil and gas, uh, for mining. They're, they're huge in that. She is uh, creating a huge uh, change in General Electric, moving them into the modern age. Um, uh, and, uh, and so those are three uh, of the speakers that I'm super excited to hear from. Greg, I mean, there's obviously so much going on uh, down there. We're going to be talking uh, with Dean uh, shortly here as well. Where can people find out more information uh, about the BC Tech Summit? Well, it's online, of course, is the easiest place. So uh, bctechsummit.ca is the URL, um, and uh, there'll be lots and lots of information in there. Greg, I want to uh, thank you for joining us on the show today, and uh, I will see you down at the BC Tech Summit. Okay, thanks, Mike. That was Greg Cause, President and CEO of the BC Innovation Council. We're going to have to take a break. We'll be back shortly after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Egerbo here with Andy Barrar. We've still got uh, lots of show for you left. Uh, a little later, we'll uh, be looking at uh, beauty tech, how you can look after your, uh, your skin and your body. Tech is not just for geeks now. It's for everybody. Well, it's still kind of geeky. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Everybody's just a geek. Maybe that's we'll, what uh, We'll be checking that out. On the uh, line right now, uh, we've uh, got Dean Plazzi. He's the managing director over at the BC Acceleration Network at the BC Innovation Council. Thanks for joining us, Dean. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Mike. <laughs> Dean, tell our listeners first, uh, you know, we, we found out a little bit about uh, the BC Innovation Council. What is your role? What is the BC Acceleration Network? Uh, the BC Acceleration Network is essentially uh, an alliance of partners around the province of BC who, whose mission is really to deliver startup training and coaching services to, uh, to technology companies as well. They, they act like, in some ways, they act like the key, uh, the key organizations in each of the regions around the province as well as within the lower mainland um, for, for the technology industry. And is this government run as well? Uh, government run, not so much. All of these organizations are, are independent organizations, and the BC Acceleration Network, all, all of the partners in the network, essentially we, we fund them uh, to deliver a variety of different programs that are aligned with our mission. They're funded by others as well, so they, their mission is, is typically aligned with our mission, and as a result, um, we, we put them to work in, in, in many ways that are aligned with some of our objectives within the technology ecosystem in the province. Dean, you told me that you've been doing this for seven years now. How much has it changed here in this province? Um, 
from my point of view, it's been it's been a phenomenal transition um, because one of the reasons why I got involved with the Innovation Council back in 2009 was as a result of some of my work mentoring companies at the BCIC New Ventures Competition, and I, I kept seeing many of the same challenges in terms of, of early stage companies and early stage entrepreneurs, um, you know, s- s- sitting up. Right and and pitching pitching their ideas, but but not having done enough homework in many many ways, and and having been in the, in the trenches myself in tech startups, this was uh, a, a very sort of uh, near and dear to my heart type of scenario, and I just thought that there needed to be more um, more assistance and more support for technology startups to at least make them aware of some of the the best practices with respect to taking a new product to market. Um, at the time, there wasn't a lot happening within within the province to support technology startups. If you were a tech startup or a tech entrepreneur, you didn't have nearly the amount of resources um, that you now have at your fingertips in terms of places to go to get help, uh, people to connect into for mentorship, et cetera, et cetera. So I've seen a monumental shift, uh, not only within that context, but as well as within the context of the, the global leading companies that are actually now emerging to make British Columbia one of the global tech leaders on the planet. Well, you know, that is interesting because, uh, you know, I've had my fair share of startups as well, uh, you know, my I know previous you company, yeah, Chalk Media. Uh, I mean, we had to book it down to the U.S. as soon as we could get going because there were you more bet. resources and funding down there. You bet, and and I think um, the the message here from from my own experience, as well as observing a lot of the companies up here, is you don't have to move. Um, you absolutely have to to have a presence in in a lot of these key jurisdictions. That just makes good good financial and good business sense. Obviously, uh, if you're a technology company, um, spending time in Silicon Valley, spending time in Boston, spending time in some of the top global leading tech centers as a, as a place where you're going to forge partnerships, find customers, move your business plan along. It makes a lot of sense, but you can do all that um, by having your company located uh, right where you, you like to live and, and play right here in, in, uh, in BC. Do we have the talent and do we have the money now? I think I think the talent question is, is absolutely in, in development. I mean, I, I think um, if you look around at the, at the number of post-secondary institutions churning out top-level t- talent within within BC, it's it's pretty phenomenal. And, and even right here in the Lower Mainland, we've got, you know, within two hours, we've got the University of Victoria, we've got Simon Fraser University, we've got UBC, we've got BCIT, uh, Capilano, and the list goes on. So um, I think the talent issue is, is, is one that we need to be aware of, just given the, the large magnitude of, of companies that are now starting to to flourish, but I think uh, a we've got the post-secondary in, uh, infrastructure to support it. B we've got a lot of private infrastructure uh, emerging to to quickly train, as an example, software developers. And C um, there are a number of initiatives underway behind closed doors within the provincial government to to really try to address this at its at its roots, right from the K to 12 sort of scenario with respect to inspiring uh, students in 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 science technology and and math and, and and sort of the STEM subjects, and then right through to the university uh, ecosystem in terms of creating programs that will get people employable much faster for the technology industry. And by the way, I just want to emphasize, it's not only about software development. That tends to be what gets the headlines because it is, it is, a, it is a challenge and we're looking at that. But when you think about tech talent, it goes much deeper. It goes right into the depth of our clean technology industry as well, where you're looking for mechanical engineers, civil engineers, uh, chemical engineers, and, and that's also on the on the dock in terms of priorities. 
Dean, you know, there's a lot of startups in uh, British Columbia, and especially in the, in the Vancouver area. And most startups, as you know, they're, they're bootstrapping in the beginning stages. But at some point, they need to get funding to take it to the next level. Is there a venture capital industry in Canada, or do they have to still go to the U.S. to get that money? You know, uh, a couple things. Uh, you know, I, I, I teach a program called the Market Validation Program, and one of the one of the key messages within that program is you, you've got to always be chasing customers. So the, the sooner you can get out and start generating revenue with customers, the better. Um, there are some tech companies that that uh, that don't necessarily need to go after the money. Um, so there's two types of tech companies. There's the ones that are truly aspiring to be venture capital grade investments, and those are companies who who typically need to grow from zero to a thousand employees inside of ten years, kind of thing. Um, and, and then there's another genre of tech company which, you know, thank you very much, will grow to 500 employees over a 20-year time period, um, but will do so organically. Uh, and those, those companies are as important uh, in our community as, as the other ones. Um, so, so I think there, there needs to be a distinction made in terms of understanding the kinds of technology companies that are available. Now, to your question, um, I think if you are a company in British Columbia, or anywhere for that matter, and you've done your homework in terms of, of truly validating the um, the market and and the the scale of the problem that you're solving and the fact that there's actually a captive market willing to pay to solve that problem um, and and validation meaning you've got paying customers you've got partners uh, you have done the commercial work to to demonstrate that there's a need and and there's a desire to fulfill that need you should be able to find money whether that's in Canada or the US and and I think there's a lot of companies locally um, that have found that live here work here continue to be here and have gone out and raised money here and have raised money in Alberta and have raised money in Toronto and have raised money in Silicon Valley. So as, as entrepreneurs, they need to go where they can raise the money. I, I think the money is, is there. There tends to be a debate within the community whether there is funding available at the early, early seed stage, that high-risk stage. The plethora of venture capital and angel funding uh, capital in Silicon Valley makes it, I'm told, a little bit easier to go out and, and secure some really high-risk money. Uh, here, not so much, so, so I'm told. So I think, you know, whether who plays that role in the community, I think, will remain to be seen, and it'll merge once some of the companies that are local um, really start to, to do well, and, and some of those exits occur, and, and then we have a, um, you know, a group of folks that are wealthy that are now taking risks on, on smaller companies to get them into that sort of pre-seed or, or late-seed or early Series A round. Dean, uh, obviously we're just scratching the surface here, uh, so uh, <laughs> you bet. we're going to have to have people uh, obviously either head down to the BC Tech Summit uh, or you know follow the news uh, happening throughout uh, you know those two days, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, where can people find out more information about uh, the BC Acceleration Network? BC Acceleration Network is bcacceleration.ca. You can also get through it to it through our website on bcic.ca. And, uh, yeah, the venture capital pitch session, uh, presentation session on Tuesday is going to be big. We've got 61 uh, unique investor firms signed up, representing about 150 investors from all over the world. Um, there's a good portion from outside of Canada, which is great because we're trying to expand our access to pools of capital outside of our, our traditional jurisdictions. Um, we've got 40 companies pitching across four broad sector categories, and these are all companies that have customers. They're advanced stage companies, as we call them. Uh, it should be just a phenomenal uh, event. It's the largest pitch event in, in, in the history of BC in terms of VC-grade investment, VC-grade investors, and VC-grade companies. 
That was Dean Prelezzi, Managing Director over at the BC Acceleration Network at the BC Innovation Council. When we come back from the break, Beauty Tech, what's that all about? You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've uh, got our good friend Jim Galpin on the line. I've uh, known Jim for many years in the tech industry. And uh, you've, you've switched over to beauty, being the handsome guy that you are. <laughs> yes, it's just one of those places I really wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, we're talking about skin and making sure that your skin is uh, protected and uh, moisturized and uh, just well taken care of generally. Well, now there's a, a technology angle to it. And I, I'm actually really fascinated about this because I've, I've had a chance to try these devices out. And I will be demonstrating them on uh, BC Global Morning News on Monday. I'll be trying them out on Sonia. She doesn't know this yet. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, but these are a couple devices from a company called Millie. And uh, maybe we'll just start off with the Millie Pure. And I, I find that this is a fascinating device. It works with your smartphone and it actually works. Well, indeed, it does. It, it's a cool little device, very uh, small. Uh, it connects with your smartphone, as you said, through Bluetooth and is able to uh, measure the, moist, the amount of moisture in your skin. And as you know, we've just been down at CES and we tested a number of people that had come past our booth and almost everybody tested dry. So we know it works because that was a very dry environment and it, everybody then realized, hey, we need to put some moisturizer on. We need to protect ourselves. We need to make sure our skin doesn't get too dry. You know, and, um, you know, it's a really simple thing that gives you a lot of information. It's, it's kind of cool because uh, you, you download the free app. Uh, the the MillePure app for it, and you basically hold this little device, and it's it's quite small against uh, you know on your you know, your face for example, and uh, within seconds it actually gives you a percentage of how moist your eyes your your skin is, and you can actually track that over uh, a number of days uh, as well. And I guess it's just uh, a kind of a health thing, really, when you think about it, Jim, because then people can realize, hey, you know, I really do have dry skin, and I should actually moisturize. Well, yeah, you can do that. You can also, over time, test the different moisturizer products to make sure you find the one that's best suited to you. So one day you try one moisturizer, another day you try something else, and you can see the difference in, you know, how much more moisture or less moisturizer uh, one cream would give you over another. So you can do that. It gives you some tips in the app. Again, as you mentioned, it allows you to track over time what your skin is like, so you can do a before and after uh, scenario and see how... Um, you know, but different times of the year have an effect on your skin. Very cool. The second product uh, that I love as well, and I think this is something, you know, a must-have really uh, for, for anyone and any family for that matter, matter uh, the Millie SkinMate. And this is a little, again, uh, small device, works with your smartphone through wireless Bluetooth that actually can detect uh, the UV rays. Oh, yeah, exactly what it does. It'll detect the actual index of the UV and tell you if it's uh, good, bad, really dangerous, you know, stay out of the sun at all costs, um, that sort of information. But then what it does, and you've already input it into the app itself, uh, your skin type, your age, your gender, just so that, you know, we know exactly what your skin is like. It will then give you some suggestions as to what type of SPF sunscreen you should be using. Um, you know, if it's a cloudy day, you may only need 15. If it's a hot, sunny day, they may recommend you know, 60 or above. But the cool thing is, is that we know that over time, this stuff deteriorates, and the app will actually remind you that it's time to reapply more. And you know what? For me, that would actually be good, because I never 
put enough sunscreen on, I forget about it. Uh, I should probably just put 50 on all the time because I'm so uh, white. But uh, I was amazed at how well this little device really worked. No, it's, it's, it is really a cool device. And, you know, in these day and times, we are so conscious of melanoma, skin cancer. I mean, it's just a top-of-mind um, topic all the time. And this is just one small thing. They're not expensive products, like $40, but they're a small device that can, you know, keep this kind of information in front of top of mind for ourselves to make sure that, oh, if I'm going outside, I better just make sure I'm protecting myself. And, it's, I mean, the ozone layer is getting weaker and weaker all the time. We just have to be conscious of how to protect ourselves. Well, Jim, uh, again, I'll be showing these uh, little guys on uh, Global uh, Morning News here in BC, uh, probably around uh, 8.15 Monday morning, so you want to check that out. Uh, where can people find out information or, or get these? Well, you can get them on Amazon, and if you want to find any more information about it, you can go to uh, com. M-Y-M-I-L-I.com. Thanks again for joining us, Jim. My pleasure. When we come back from the break, it's that time of the week. App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with Andy Brar. It's that time of the week, though. It's uh, app time with Christina. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Are you recovered from Las Vegas? Yeah, I think so. Very cool. What what app have you got for us this week? I have a beer app this week. Oh, you've got our attention. I know. <laughs> Go I, on. I thought I might get your attention. <laughs> a lot of people are cursing my name right now, though, because they're trying to have a dry January, and here I come with this beer yeah, app. It's been a wet January for me, so uh, I'm interested. So it's called Untapped, and it's available across the platforms, iOS, Android, Windows Phone, BlackBerry. And what does it do? So it's actually a bit of a social community, and so it allows you um, to check in as drinking a certain beer and rate the beer, enter in tasting notes, etc. And uh, you can share that with your beer buddies. So I basically go into any uh, pub or craft brewery and I can drink the beers and and then tell everyone what I think. And so Exactly. And so does this help the community? Yes. Um so it the the app will actually make suggestions based on your likes and what's going on in the community and it will show your ratings so that other people know how you feel about that beer. Does it know when I go into a certain establishment uh, what kind of beers they have available? Uh no, I don't think it gets that granular. I think you do have to actually enter the beer that you're drinking. But you can also search beers on there and find out what other people think of them. Is there a lot of beers? Have you searched beers? Well, I'm not a huge beer connoisseur, but I you were, you were just a, thinking of Andy and I. Yes. Yes. Um, I searched Coors Light for you. Coors <laughs> <laughs> that is a good beer. I know. Did so it get good ratings? Say, uh, no. It did not. No, they don't know. Is what this a surprise? People don't for know you? what they're talking about. It's a great beer. Uh, so again, uh, what's it called? Untapped. Untapped. And uh, what platforms is it available for? Available across the platforms: BlackBerry, iOS, I've, um, Android, sorry, and Windows Phone. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. Uh, we do have some prize. Uh, we do have a prize this week. Well, yeah, we just talked uh, to Jim Galpin over at Millie about the Millie Pure Skin Moisturizer Detector. So I thought it makes sense for us to give it away. I think, Mike, this is the first 
tech beauty product we've ever given away on the show. But now you can check the moisture in your skin with this little tiny accessory that works with your smartphones. It could be either Android or iOS. All you got to do is go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Click on the contest page to see how it works. We also tested this out in Vegas. So if you go on our YouTube channel, um, you can actually see it. I, I had Jim give me a test on my hands when I was in Vegas and it was dry. And then I was jokingly asking if, uh, if he had any lotion, I would put it on. Well, turns out he did have lotion. So we did the before and after. And after and put, it really works. I put hand lotion yep. on, and then after, it was in normal range. Because you know how Vegas is. It's so dry. Oh, yeah. Well, you're in the desert. You were, yeah, we're in the desert. Yep. So everybody's skin's uh, dry over there. So I think, he, like Hizzy was saying, everybody had dry skin. So just go to our website to check this out. We're giving one away, getconnectedmedia.com. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the Get Connected uh, program together. Of course, Andy Brar, my co-host and producer. Christina Stoinova for uh, App of the Week every week, and the rest of the Get Connected team as well. Paul and Sherry and... And even AJ. AJ, he's part of the team, too. He is part of the team. Until next time, Mike, Christina, and Andy logging off. We'll see you again.